What's up, Rad Dads, and welcome back to another episode of the Rad Dads Show, hosted by none other than the two raddest dads on the East Coast. I am Sal. And I am Rob. So tonight we have a special guest with us. We are joined with John uh, Rennie, and John is the co-founder, president, and CEO of Peak Demand Incorporated, a premier manufacturing of critical components for electrical utilities. He is a former U.S. Navy nuclear sub- submarine officer who has made seven deployments during the end of the Cold War. Prior to starting Peak Demand, he led eight manufacturing businesses for three global companies. He is the author of the best-selling leadership books, I Have the Watch, Becoming a Nuclear, be, sorry, Becoming a Leader Worth Following, and All in the Same Boat, Lead Your Organization Like a Nuclear Submarine and is the host of the Deep Leadership Podcast. The most important lesson he's learned in the past 30 years is leadership matters, which will probably be the name of this episode. <laughs> leadership can make a, a significant difference in the performance of any organization. He shares his thoughts and insights on business and leadership with a desire to create better leaders. His hope is that his work inspires you to look at leadership in a new light. John, welcome aboard. Hey, it's good to be here. So uh, can you tell us a little bit more about your about yourself besides the eloquent intro introduction by my co-host Rob. <laughs> yeah, so um, you, you, you hit it. I was, um, I was a naval officer right out of college. Um, you know, I went, uh, went to engineering school, uh, got out as a mechanical engineer, and then I got into the Navy nuclear power program, became a nuclear engineer for the Navy, spent uh, five years uh, right at the end of the Cold War as a naval officer on the USS Tennessee. She was a ballistic missile submarine. And um, back then, you know, our Soviets were our enemy. And uh, apparently they're, we're back now. So it's uh, Russia's now the enemy again. So, uh, But uh, they were the bad guys. And we were doing strategic deterrent patrols, trying to keep them, uh, you know, keep them honest and for us to stay honest. And, uh, and it worked out for all those years. And, uh, I got out of the Navy, went into corporate, like a lot of people do, um, went into, uh, corporate America, worked for three global companies and, um, and I got a chance to run manufacturing businesses during that time. So I ran eight different manufacturing businesses in those 22 years. And then six years ago, I, I packed up my, my corporate bag and I left and started my own company. And now I, uh, I do the same things I was doing at the big companies, only I do it for myself. And uh, I don't send the money to France or Zurich. I send it to <laughs> keep it here in the U.S. So, uh, yeah, so I started my own company six years ago and been writing a lot of books on, on leadership and been uh, hosting my own podcast called Deep Leadership. And uh, yeah, I really enjoy the leadership topic and I talk a lot about it um, in my books. And uh, they, they cert, you know, certainly a lot of things I talk about just reflect really well into families as well, too. So leading your family is a lot like leading your business. So. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that's a it's it's actually a very important topic, I think, for fatherhood, for for parents and for work in general. So how has becoming a father changed your life and, and what has it taught you? Yeah, you know, it's it's been wonderful. I mean, I, I uh, we were married for seven years before we had children. So uh, reason being is I wanted to get out of the Navy before we I, I saw so many of my buddies there. They missed birthdays, first steps. Um, you know, all those things, uh, they missed the birth of their children. And I just said, you know, I'm not going to do that. So we waited, we were married in the military and we waited till I got out. And then, um, so we were married seven years, then we had children and it was like instant, you know, you go from just, you know, two income family, uh, you know, doing whatever you wanted to do to, you know, instant fatherhood, fatherhood, and you just go become a family man, right? Like overnight, like I, 
I remember I put my golf my golf clubs up in the attic and I, I I really never took them down. I mean, for the time I raised my two boys, I have two sons. Uh, one is 21 and one uh, turns 24 here in May. So they're they're out of the house. So I successfully launched two uh, two children into the world. So I've been through the whole process from from diapers to you know, to preschool, to t-ball, to, you know, little league and football and lacrosse and, and high school and college and all that stuff. And uh, yeah, so I've been through the whole gamut. Now I'm, uh, I'm an empty nester. So, wow. So I, I, I got a question. Did yeah. you take the golf clubs out of the attic yet? <laughs> not yet. <laughs> not yet. <laughs> apparently they're, they're outdated now. Apparently they might have new, new technology. So <laughs> Uh, that that is uh, that is amazing. So you you you've been through the whole thing. So you you got a lot of experience and a lot of knowledge uh, uh, with with uh, elementary school, middle school, high school, and yeah. you know college. So that's I make girls. I got three girls, and Rob has two boys. So and right now they're in uh, elementary. My I got one daughter left in elementary school, and and two of them are in middle school. Oh, that's awesome. That's yeah. fun. It's it's fun. I mean, all ages are fun. Uh, a lot of my employees have young children and they're going through those early stages and, and uh, you know, it's just, it's, it's fun. I like all stages. I think as a dad, it gets better when they get a little bit older. And now, you know, having adult sons, we work out together when we're around each other, we work out together. We'll have a beer together. I mean, it's just, it's, we'll have a cigar together. It's just kind of a cool, it's different now they're, they're adults. And uh, so one's in the military. So we have a lot of, a lot of, uh, you know, common things we talk about. So. That's awesome. That's one thing what I challenges? Look, look forward to. Well, you look forward to college years or? Uh... No, for being able to have a bourbon with my boys oh, and yeah, having yeah. a cigar yeah. with my boys. Like that, that's amazing. That's what you hope for, right? Yeah, yes. it's really good. And we, you know, we still have this really strong relationship with both boys. And I think uh, my oldest son, we've always had a good bond. And then my youngest son, really, when he went in the Navy, we just, now we're just like, you know, we have this common bond that that even, you know, his mom doesn't have with him now because of that Navy background and, and experience. It's, it's really cool. That's awesome. That is amazing. What challenges have you faced raising your kids? You know, it's, it, it, it's the whole thing. You know, I remember um, my oldest son when um, he was a biter. So he, you know, he was in pre-K and uh, he bit somebody and and we were just like shocked, like, how do you like, you know, we didn't want we were we were the outcast because, you know, <laughs> our, our kid bit somebody. And then how do you stop that? And then how do you figure out what punishments work, you know, and and, you know, we were going to spank him, you know. And but what we found with my oldest son is that he, he didn't care about spanking. That didn't bother him at all. We had to figure out that, you know, he was he was big into uh, football cards at the time. He would sit and memorize football players stats and he had he had hundreds and hundreds of these football cards and and uh, to punish him for the biting we I packed them all in a in a trash bag and I'm like I'm going to go throw these out and he he lost it completely and uh, I was like it was like the toughest punishment I ever had to do as a father. He was just he was destroyed <laughs> and uh, and essentially that solved biting problems. So it was. Uh, but you know, so so from from biting to to dating to them having cars and um, you know one of the things that we really stress with the boys is we always said like don't we, we actually made um, little you know like the live strong you know rubber bracelets yep. around for a while we actually made ones that said D uh, don't don't do stupid stuff so <laughs> DDFS and what we always said with them is like 
you're going to explore, you're going to have fun, you're going to do a lot of things, but don't do things that are going to affect your life, you know, like getting someone pregnant or driving drunk or, you know, anything that can affect your life. So, so explore the world, do what you're going to do, but, you know, don't do stupid stuff. And my son wore that all through college. And now he went, he went to graduate school, my oldest son, and he still wears it and it's all worn <laughs> off. You can't even see the DBSS, but don't do stupid stuff was our main, you know, message to them as they got older. That's great. So it, that that almost <clears throat> mimics uh, or similar uh, conversation I had with my daughters a few weeks back. There was something going on with one of my daughters in school. And I said, you know, don't, don't be afraid to stand your ground. Hmm. I said, you don't start the fight, but if you have to end the fight, you end the fight. Right. You, you won't get in trouble if you're defending yourself. I will deal with the, pres- uh, the, the principal. But I said, you know, if you're going to do stupid things, it will follow you until yeah. you graduate. The, yes. Every I said everybody in the school has a file. And yep. in that file goes your grades, goes your attendance, and if you do stupid stuff. Yeah. So yeah. almost like a light not that my kids are 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 uh you know they do bad things, but a light bulb went off. They're like, oh my God. Yeah, yeah, exactly. Yeah. And I think you know, we've been fortunate that like I said, they're twenty-one and twenty-four and and they've not really gotten into any any major trouble. I mean, we caught one smoking a cigar in inside the house one time. <laughs> you know, we were we were asleep and he had a buddy over and he smoked they were smoking a cigar and they opened a window thinking that would help. You know, it's you know, come on. You don't think we're gonna smell cigar smoke in the house. <laughs> At least try to be a little better, you know. Or like we found a hidden case of beer one time and, you know, on the porch, you know, like we're not going to see, we're not going to go on our porch and find a case of beer sitting outside, you know. So. Was it underneath the flower pot? <laughs> no, it wasn't hidden. It wasn't hidden very well. You know, it's almost like they they forget that, that we were once young, you know, and we, we try to get away with stuff. So, so true. <laughs> so one of the challenges we face as dads is the work-life balance. How are you able to balance that, especially with two young boys growing up and coming out of your military career, working for three large global companies and then starting your own company? Yeah, I think, um, well, one, number one is I was fortunate my wife stayed home as my kids grew, uh, you know, as they were really young. And so, and then she was a teacher and then she stopped working when my oldest was born. She stayed with them uh, as they grew. And then when they got into middle school or whatever, she went and taught at their school, the same school they were at. So they went, they all three of them went to school every day together. So I was fortunate in that my wife could take, you know, could, could, could be there, you know, as I, cause I traveled around the world in those jobs and I was pretty busy in those jobs. But the one thing I think that I learned in the military is that we could never take our work home with us because it was all confidential. So once I, once I leave the office, I pretty much am, you know, I'm, I'm, I'm off the clock and I don't really spend time, you know, a lot of guys will work on their computers after dinner and things like that. No, I, I didn't do that. I, I mostly spent time with family when I was home and, and kind of disconnected. And even today, you know, I, I, like I work out every morning, but I do it early morning so that I can come home from work and just be with my wife and, and we just relax in the evening. So I'm not rushing around trying to do different things. So that's an important factor is that being able to turn it off when you leave work, yeah. being able to just walk out that door and say, okay, I'm leaving everything here and I'll be back tomorrow. I'm not worrying about a thing. Yeah. A, lot, a lot of people have a tough time doing that. Yeah. And you, you, you really do need to turn it off. And, you know, and especially if you're working for a big company, you're, you know, you're one mistake away from 
getting fired. You know, you, you, we think that we're so valuable, but, you know, 10 minutes after we're gone, uh, they've found somebody else to fill your, fill our shoes. We're, we're just, you know, in, in big, especially in big companies, we're just replaceable. And, um, you know, we kill ourselves to, for our companies to succeed. And then they're, you know, they have a layoff and they'll just get rid of you, you know? So I, I just feel like we, our families are much more important than our jobs. We can always get another job, but we can never, you know, and I believe in that, you know, till, till death do us part. You know, I've been married for over 30 years and, uh, you know, so I'm, you know, pretty much like I'm what I, and I saw too many, too many guys in the Navy got divorced. That's part of the reason I got out too, was I saw way too many, um, divorces in my time. And it just seemed like that, that job was built for, um, for, for, for people not to have good, uh, strong relationships. So, yeah, I, I got out for that very reason. And certainly I wasn't going to put that in jeopardy by being stupid, you know, being married to my job. So I was very successful in what I did, but I certainly would, wouldn't, um, you know, work in the evenings. You know, when I was fam- home, I was with family. That's important. And yeah. for writing your books, you, I assume you were doing that at after hours, after the nine to five. So like probably <laughs> in the evenings or early in the mornings, right? Yeah, it's funny you say that because I always envisioned writing a book would be like in like secluded in some cabin with my I have two golden retrievers, my two golden retrievers by my my feet, a, a fire in the fireplace, and I just write these books. You know, these great words come to me. No, the the way I wrote my books were uh, during my lunch hour. Uh, you know, I get up at four a.m. I work. Uh, you know, I put an hour in in the mornings writing. I'm on planes going, uh, traveling somewhere. I'm writing, you know, writing another chapter. So it's any time I had five minutes or 10 minutes, I would I would jot things down. So, yeah, I tried to make the time when I wasn't, you know, that those free times where we t- we kind of veg out and we scroll through social media. I was writing writing my books. So see Sal, Sal thinks I'm crazy. I wake up at five o'clock. I remember it used to be earlier, but now it's five o'clock <laughs> and I work out for 20, 30 minutes, whatever, just do something. Yeah. And then I, and then I write for about a half hour to 45 minutes. And I, it's that's great. my routine. Yeah. I, I, have I don't know to. if I'll ever get published, but it's, I enjoy it. So. Well, you keep it you up. Never know. You will. Yeah, yeah. You'll get published. Yeah. It's uh it's uh well, I wrote for, I wrote for eight, eight years before I started writing a book. So I was writing blog, blog posts, writing for different websites. So most, and then, and then I decided to put some of the stuff into a book. So I like what you said till death do us part. My wife and I get into arguments just like any other married couple. And, uh, Oh, their arguments are legendary though. (laughs) Our arguments are legendary. (laughs) So we, we, uh, this was years, just going back years. We're married 15 years just this past uh, March. And uh, just going back a bunch of years ago, it, it, the fight was pretty bad. And I said, look, if you think you're going to get rid of me that easily. I said, we stood on an off, we stood stood on that altar and we signed a contract. And like you said, till death was part. I yeah. said, so you're stuck with me. There's no getting rid of me. Yeah, it, it's right. I mean, you know, it's it's the easy way out, right? Too many people take the easy way out. You don't get along. You're, you're, you're struggling. And, and maybe some couples are just not compatible right? It, it didn't work out from day one. But I think, you know, if you really are committed to it, like you said, it's, it's, it's going to take a hard, a lot to get rid of you. You know, it's, um, and one of the things I learned early on, and my wife and I talk about a lot is that, you know, once we realize that her and I are on the same team, then things get a lot easier, right? right. So it's her and I against the world, not, not her against me, you know, and the world. I'm there for her. She's here, there for me. We're there, you know, to raise these kids up and, um, yeah, I mean we're we're on the same team, and that makes it a little bit easier. Yeah, you know, you know communication is a big thing. You know, we men think differently than women, so 
you know, we're, we're expected to be mind readers. And I remember having a conversation with my wife early on. I was like, look, I got to tell you this, I <laughs> do not read minds. And I will do, I love you. I'll do anything for you. But sometimes you just need to tell me what you want. Like literally tell me like I'm a child. Cause I don't, I'm not reading, I'm not getting the signals here, what you want me to do right now. So, <laughs> and that's always been, that's always been something she laughs about too. She'll say, Yes, when you go when you go into the garage and get a drink, get me a drink too. Nope. <laughs> <laughs> uh, the, the the hints, I'm the same way. I, I just I don't re- read between the lines. Just come out, be straightforward. Tell me what you want. You know, <laughs> right? Exactly. Yeah. I, I I hate the I hate the. Now I just got to try and figure out what she's mean, what she meant by that. Say no. You want something? Tell me what you want. Very simple. <laughs> yeah, exactly. Exactly. Family traditions. Are there any family traditions that, that you you have, you've started that you would like your two sons to, to, to carry on? Yeah, I think we probably two. One is uh, both chill, both boys went through a rite of passage when they turned 13. So we went and, you know, went for a long hike in, in the woods uh, of North Carolina and, um, you know, kind of, well, one, we, 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 we did it all with hiking, uh, staying overnight, packing all, all of our stuff in there. So it was sort of a like a, a rite of passage for them that just, you know, saying, signaling they're, they're becoming men. Uh, and I did that with my other son too, although we ended up, um, we, we did day hikes. We didn't stay uh, overnight. Uh, it, we, didn't, we didn't hike all of our stuff in. We just did day hikes, but it was the same thing. It was, it was a rite of passage. I think that's one. And then our Christmas, you know, a lot of Christmas traditions that we had, um, you know, I think they're, they'll likely keep going. You know, the, we would read uh, we would read the Christmas story from the Bible before we'd op- open you know open gifts and and we'd always make a, a Jesus cake we always called it and that was just like a happy birthday <laughs> Jesus cake and I think that's something they'll probably remember and probably do as well as the, as they get older. That's awesome. Yeah, that's I like I like the hikes, the uh, right of passage. Yeah. That's pretty cool. Yeah, I think it was really good. And, you know, after that, I, I referred to them as men. I told, you know, they were men and now they were Rennie men and they were they had roles and responsibilities. And I think one thing, you know, as I look back and some of the things that we did right is that, um, you know, when they're younger, they we needed to we needed to give them rules. And, and I think, you know, children, children really respect that when they have rules and they have they know that their parents care and they want them you know, to do certain things. But every almost every year they were alive, the rules got less and less to where they were more more free and free to express themselves. And and as they you know gained their freedom and as they um, showed responsibility, then they got they got more freedom. And by 16 years old, both my boys were they had jobs, they had cars, uh, they were doing well in school, and we didn't. They were pretty much independent. So by the time they hit you know college and, and life, they could do their own laundry. They could make their own foods. They, 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 you know, they could take care of their vehicles. I mean, uh, so I think, you know, that's, that's something that, you know, there's, there's always a debate. Do you control your kids? You don't not control your kids. Well, I think it depends on the age. I think as the, sure. as the boys got older, they got more freedoms. And, you know, one thing I tell you that we did really well that I'm glad we did is that restricting video games, um, when they were younger, which was they only were allowed to play video games uh, on on the weekends. And I think that and, and there was no arguments because that was sort of the rule until they got into the 13s and 14s and 15s. And then we sort of let that go. But um, I think that's good because I see a lot of kids, even my wife teaches kindergarten, even kindergarten kids are 
they're they're addicted to these video games and they're wow. and, and they, that's all they talk about in school and i think that's that's a bit of a problem I, I you know i think video games are fun and as a dad i played with them you know just so that i was in their world right that's their world and you know we have to sort of go into their world and so yeah uh, i can play halo with the best of them so <laughs> that's awesome i can't my kids are better than me it's, it's embarrassing yeah, mine are much better than me too but an yeah, we have fun. It was always kind of fun. Yeah. They're running circles around me. It's, it's funny you say that because so Sal's kids aren't gamers, but my kids are gamers and our, our number one rule is they can't play, you know, during the school. During, yeah. During the school. Yeah. Cause that's for school. That's for sports or just, you know, reading, they can watch TV. I'm okay with that. That's, it is what it is. I would like to watch less, but I'll pick my battles, but video games not allowed during the week. Yeah, that's a really good rule. And I, I think in my, you know, again, as they got older, we we relaxed that rule. As their grades were good, we relaxed that rule. But I think that was good early on because it set the tone that we didn't argue about it. It was just a rule in our house. And uh, and so I think that was really good for them. I, my youngest son can get obsessive with video games. He could get them, he could lock himself in a room and play for days. And so I think I went as far as uh, Among Us, which was within the past couple of years, I, I, I was never a game. I mean, when I was a kid, I played Nintendo, I played Sega. Um, I, I didn't have a uh, PlayStation, you know, I, and I, I got Xbox later on, but I wasn't really, I couldn't, I found myself just sitting there and four hours like this. Yeah. And I look at those four hours. It's like, Oh my God, I just sat here for four hours. I could be outside mowing the lawn or, or, you know, picking the weeds out of the flower beds. Yeah. So I was like, we had rock band for for a while. We did rock band, my wife and I. This was before kids, and then that was it. But I, I won't, I won't, I won't allow my kids to get sucked into that. I yeah. mean, they, they talk about it. Some of their friends play, but I, I don't know. I just, I much prefer them be outside. Yeah, yeah. And my wife was really good about that. Is is you know kicking them out like okay, God, I, <laughs> <laughs> you need outside time. <laughs> boys, boys need to. They need that physical release. You know, they need to climb. They need to. You know beat each other up they need to wrestle all that stuff that's that's needed you know for them to just you know develop develop their right personalities or develop their their you know in high hand-eye coordination their sure you know uh, but you know too many too many kids that are getting too addicted to the phones the ipads and the and the um any video games, they just can't connect. So they can't look you in the eye and have a conversation. And I think that's going to be a problem, you know, with this workforce, you know, younger people coming to the workforce that have been behind a screen their whole lives. I'm, I'm old enough where I didn't have a computer, you know, we didn't have computers in high school. So uh, we had, a, you know, yeah, we, had an Atari, you. we had an Atari at one point, I think, you know, in our house. Oh, <laughs> oh, oh. My dad had an Atari. Yeah. I, I remember <laughs> the Atari. Yeah. So, um, yeah. So, but you know, what we, you know, I remember, you know, in high school we go to, there was arcades, you know, you go down and you play, you know, space invaders or whatever, you know, you put, you get a bunch of quarters and play space invaders and, and, and yep. oh, yeah. asteroids and, <laughs> and missile command and all that stuff. So. Those are all the classics. Yeah, exactly. So the, I, the next question is a two part question. Uh, Leadership, does it matter? And what impact does it have on your children, employees, and peers? Yeah, um, you know, Jocko Willink, the Navy SEAL, he says there's no such thing as bad teams, only bad leaders. And I agree with him. So I think you get a good leader who can bring out the best, even a bad team. And um, and, and that's what I saw throughout my career, in, both in the Navy and in uh, 
in corporate. You get a good leader and they can bring out the best in people. And I think it's the same thing in a family. Uh, and, 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 you know, wh what's the similarities and how, how do they relate? I mean, I say in my books that leadership is a people business. Well, being a dad is a people business too. You've got to know your kids. You've got to know, you know, what, both of my boys are completely different. You know, they're, they're raised in the same household, born from the same mom and dad, but they have different personalities. And it's the same thing with our employees. They all have different personalities. We got to learn that and learn, um, you know, what makes them tick and what gets them excited. Um, you know, what, what, what motivates them and find those ways to try to bring out the best in, in our kids and in our employees. It's, it's very, very similar. It's all about relationships. And, you know, I learned relationships, because I got locked in a metal tube for three months at a time uh, uh, in my early life. So we, we relationships were important in the Navy. So the, the sailor next to you could save your life. So, you know, we had those deep relationships. And I just brought that into my corporate life. I brought that into my family life is just building strong relationships with with my children, with my uh, with my employees. So it's it's it it's very similar. Yeah. I mean, uh, yeah, I probably put up with a lot more with my kids. <laughs> I think you have to. Yeah, but I, I couldn't agree more. I think as I've progressed in my career, and I I wasn't in the armed forces, but or or in the submarine. God bless you for doing that. But you know, as I progressed from an analyst to a manager to a director to a VP, like you can tell as you go up through the corporate ladder, who are the more successful executives? Who gets who gets the most out of their team, and why they're getting the most out of their team? The best leaders that I saw and I try to replicate what they did were the people who actually cared, who actually got to know you, yeah. who, you know, invested time. For for my employees, I you know, go above and beyond. If if they're having issues, you know, go take care of your issues, we'll cover up for you. And then when you come back, you you come back. You you do what you have to do. And I think it's really important to have leaders who do care and who really care or aren't just saying it at face value. And that's that's one of the, the things that I've always um, admired about a lot of a lot of the strong leaders that, that I've followed. Yeah. You know, if you have your employees back, then they're willing to take more risk. They're try try new things. You know, when they know their boss is there to back them up, something, you know, bad happens. And I think the same thing with our kids, you know, when, if we, you know, give them the freedom and give them, they know that the dad's going to be, be there no matter what, right. I love you no matter what. And you, you can try different things. You can make mistakes you know, as long as they're not the stupid, the big life altering mistakes, I, you know, and you, you're going to be there for them, you know, and, um, and you're going to let them. And I think when they know that they come from a loving home with a strong foundation, that dad's going to love them no matter what, then I think they're willing to try new things and to explore life a little bit versus being, you know, afraid to, you know, come on, you know, dad's going to find out and, you know, I'm going to be dead, and, you know, and I think, <laughs> I think that, that knowing that they've got a dad that loves them and is going to say, well, that was really stupid. Now, what, now what are you going to do about it? You know, like um, the one time my son tried to put diesel, well, he did put diesel in his, uh, in his non-diesel car. So, <laughs> like he was smart enough to call me before he started it. But then, then I said, what are you going to do now? He's like, I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Oh, what do you do in a situation like that? That's, a, that's, I mean, cause I don't even know if you can siphon it out. Yeah. So, uh, we, we have a triple a for the boys and, uh, and I said, well, you've got your triple a card. You're going to call them and they're going to take it to their center. And that's what they did. They siphoned the gas and, uh, refilled the gas tank and, uh, didn't have to flush it out because it never started the engine. Uh, but, uh, I think they probably ran some gas through it and then siphoned out again and then put gas in it and it ran. So, yeah. 
<laughs> but he had to take care of it all. So he made the mistake. So there's yeah. consequences, you know, for, you know, we don't, and we, and the other thing too, I think a lot of, a lot of dads try to jump in and, and prevent our kids from having consequences, but consequences are great learning tools. So, um, oh, so we're happy. We're happy to provide consequences when they when they arise. You fail you fail a test and you've got to go. You've got to take an extra or you know you got to do something extra. Okay, you know that's your your fault for for that's a consequence of your action. You know, and I think we were good to let our kids hit those, face those consequences and um, and learn those lessons. We didn't we didn't we didn't you know nerf it up for them too much we let them you know feel the sharp edges of life and i think that that was better that way i think that's important cuz you get to learn more from from your failures than from your successes 100% yeah well I, I, that that's that's true because i mean there's always that term helicopter parent you know you, you can be a helicopter parent to a certain extent you know you you want to be there to catch your your child every parent does but if you want your child to learn they must fall and feel and feel what it feels like to fall feel yeah. feel that pain to understand yeah, maybe i shouldn't do that again because i fell and it hurt yeah so some some parents they just don't understand that yeah and i understand the, the the you know we don't want our kids to face you know pain right you know we love them we don't want them ever to hurt but i think sometimes the pain of failure is, is the best teaching tool. So we were, we were always, um, we always allow them to have hit their, have consequences for their actions and, and let them deal with the consequences. And, you know, we were always there to guide and help and we're not, you know, we're not going to abandon them, but we certainly, you know, and we would, it's even kind of funny in our family, you know, that my boys will say, well, I guess I got to deal with this. Right. And I'm like, yeah, we have to deal with it. <laughs> so, that's good. But I mean, that's, it works, you know, that they, they grew up to be fine young men, right? Yeah, exactly. Yeah. I mean, I think I, I consider it, you know, um, a success to, to have raised two boys that are, you know, they're, they're no longer dependents of mine. They're, they're both earning, you know, earning a pay, they're living on their own. And, and I think that's, you know, that's what we have to do as parents is raise our kids and let them go off into the world and do their own thing. All right. Let's get into the rapid fire round. Oh, shoot. John. Right. <laughs> favorite book well it's a leadership book because I, I write leadership book but uh, first break all the rules by marcus uh, buckingham is the one that changed my thinking about leadership uh 100 so uh that's probably my favorite book i give that to a lot of new leaders all right i'll have to read that uh favorite food pizza favorite sports team new england patriots oh boy favorite dad moment <laughs> <laughs> I grew up in New England. What can I do? <laughs> Favorite dad, what? Moment. Moment. Oh, yeah. Almost every picture of me with the family, my arm is in a weird way. And they call it, my, my boys call it the awkward arm. So I always have an awkward <laughs> arm in every photo. So dad's awkward arm. And I, and uh, yeah, so the awkward arm. That's pretty funny. Favorite bourbon and cigar pairing? Uh, so I'll do a Weller Antique 107 with a, a Perdomo a Habano uh, Maduro. It's a, uh, it's a, actually it's aged in, um, bourbon barrels. It's a, it's, oh, wow. it's a good cigar. I, I give it to all my friends. It's my favorite. Can, can you repeat that? It is a, uh, it's a per, Perdomo, Perdomo Habano. Okay. Yeah. And it's, um, and it's a Maduro wrapper and it's, um, yeah. Okay. And it's uh Perdomo Habano. Yeah. Favorite definitely, vacation def spot. Definitely going to try that. It's really good. <laughs> uh, 
You go go on my Instagram page, you'll see pictures of it. <laughs> so, Favorite vacation spot? Uh, probably with probably one of the national parks. I probably um, uh, Yosemite. Wow, best, very cool. Best dad joke. Well, I'm I'm the guy that always comes up with the like when you're leaving somewhere, you have to say something. So one of the ones we say is we let's make like a shepherd and get the flock out of here. So that's, <laughs> that's the one. Uh, I like that, that one. My boys. I've heard a million times. <laughs> All right. Can you tell our listeners where they can find you? Yeah. Um, everything about me is at uh, my website, johnsrenny.com and links to my socials are there. My books are there. My podcast is there. So yeah, johnsrenny.com. That's simple. Awesome. So one last question that we ask all fathers, if you can impart a word of wisdom to all our expectant fathers or seasoned fathers, what would it be? I would say just relax and enjoy the ride. I mean, it's a fun, every age is different and, um, you know, just enjoy it, enjoy your children. And, um, just remember that, you know, you're leaving a legacy. So, you know, what is it that you want them to carry on when you're, when you're gone? So what's that legacy you're leaving? That's, that's a first. Oh, that's a good like one. That. I like that. I'm older, so. <laughs> <laughs> more insightful, more wise. Well, he's got 24 year old and a 21 yeah. year old. Yeah. Yeah. So he's got the experience. All right, John, We're, thank you so much for coming on our show. Hey, Good thanks. Pleasure. I really enjoyed it. John, it was excellent. Thank you very much. It was a pleasure meeting you and thank you again for your service. Thanks again. I really, I really had fun. Tune in next time for, the, for another episode of the Bad Dads Podcast. Follow us on YouTube, Twitter, and Instagram. Facebook. Anything else, Al? I can't think of it. <laughs> See ya!